Okay, so um, it, uh, it was a lovely time of worship. Thank you, Mika, and everyone. It was really an amazing time. Sometimes I know that these times feel a bit stretching, and, and I've found many times it feels stretching. It's like, yo, it's, it's long, and, and I want to encourage you. We say that, we've said it a couple of times. If it feels long to you, you have to keep on pushing in. It's, it doesn't help you. You draw back. You're going to miss out on what God has for you. It's a, the, the illustration I always want to use is, if you are a sprinter, if you're a 100 meter sprinter, what you get taught is you're only allowed to stop running when you've passed the line. You can't slack because you think the line is coming because then you're not going to finish the race how you should. And I think the same in worship. Just pretend that that line is never going to come. <laughs> like the end is never going to come and we just keep worshiping God. Okay, right. Why don't you quickly turn to the person that's not the one right next to you, but it needs to be your person one one skip one person and just just look for someone quickly and so say hello say hi to that person say when i look at you i can't hear you when i look at you i know that god has a sense of humor (laughs) all right okay cool we're gonna we're gonna go for it you can put the um the title slide up we're gonna for the next few weeks, I have no clue how this is going to look, but something I've been feeling to do for a while, and I think I announced it somewhere last year, was to do a bit of a, a walk through a book in the Bible and actually teach through a book in the Bible. So um, you see that we are going to start with Ephesians. I'm going to tell you why we're doing that now. But at the, at the bottom, we have something that says, bring your Bible, okay? And my hope is that now and then in the life of the church, and just to say, we're not always going to do it, because I don't think... The Bible teaches us to teach through the Bible. It's not the way that Jesus did it. It's not the way the apostles did it. But I do think it's a good thing for us to time, from time to time to actually stop and stand still at a book in the Bible. Um, but what I'd love is now and then in the life of the church that we would have sort of bring your Bible series, that we would go through books in the Bible and actually encourage people to bring your Bible. So tonight, Dalvin is going to be on the AV. And uh, he's going to be a machine because there's a lot of scriptures that I have for us tonight. But from next week, we're not going to put any scriptures on there. You have to bring this book, right? (laughs) Many times it's a black book. On the side it says B-I-B-L-E, I I think. (laughs) Am I correct? Don't want to make a mistake here. It says Bible. And, uh, and if you don't have one, I want you to, to go and buy a Bible, right? It's a good, it's good, it's not just any book, it is the book. It is a God-inspired book. It's the book that actually has the potential when we read it with God and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us as we read it, to transform our lives. And if you can't go out, if you don't have money, speak to someone or just go onto the App Store and download. Just type in Bible and download that so that you can start reading your Bible. But... We're going to um, preach through the book of Ephesians. I don't know how long it's going to take. We might stop if God does something else, but for the next few weeks. And uh, you guys are like my guinea pigs, right? Because this is um, going to be number one of four times that I'm going to have to preach this sermon. So if I mess it up now, the other people will come back and thank you. Okay. You can just say it's a pleasure. All right. So when we get to the book of Ephesians, we're going we're gonna to actually look at it. It's, um, it's one of the books of the New Testament. It's a, a letter written by Paul. And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul was a magnificent person. Paul was probably definitely more influential than Donald Trump ever could be in his life. Because 2,000 years later, we're still speaking about Jesus. 
we're still speaking about Paul. Paul is the one who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament that we have today. He's a really influential man. The book of Acts that we like to base the church on and say we, we like to refer back to the book of Acts, most of the book of Acts is about the life of Paul. And so Paul was a magnificent man. He was really someone who loved the Lord. He followed the Lord with a passion. At the height of his ministry, Paul walked, hear this, more than 30 kilometers a day from town to town to spread the good news of Jesus. <laughs> hey? And sometimes for us, if the parking's too far, we're not going to come back to church. Hey? But Paul walked more than 30 kilometers um, at the height of his ministry. And when Paul wrote this letter, specifically Ephesians and Colossians was most likely written together. When he wrote these two letters, and actually a third one as well, he wrote it from prison. Again, he walked a lot, and he was willing to, even while circumstances were very bleak, to write a magnificent letter that's going to encourage us tonight, actually. And it just begs the question, when things get a little bit tough for us, are we still willing to give? Are we still willing to pour our lives out? Because Paul was definitely, he wrote this from prison. And let me tell you, it's not like a prison in Europe. It's worse than a prison in South Africa. The prisons in those times were really bad. There weren't toilets. You were tied up. If you had to do your thing, you did it right there. And it was all over. And you had to sit there. So Paul, sitting in between all of this gunk, sitting with a lot of people in a dark hole. It was what prisons were like those days, the archaeologists tell us. Paul was sitting in this dark place. And he wrote a letter that we can read today and actually it can encourage us when we take it for ourselves. And uh, the Ephesian church is probably one of the churches in the Bible times that we know the most about. So Acts 18 verse 20 is actually the story of the Ephesian church. It's one of the churches that Paul spent the most of his time. Sometimes he would st stay and plant churches for days. He would go to a place, plant a church for a few days, leave. Sometimes he would be there for months, leave, and sometimes for years. And Ephesus, or Ephesians, was one of those places that Paul actually stayed for years, and he set up a base, and they trained people, and they went out from there, and they planted other churches. It was in a, a big city called Ephesus. So Acts 18 verse 20 is that story. After Paul was the lead pastor, the lead elder, a guy named Timothy. Anyone ever heard of Timothy? Yes? Yeah, you know? You guys are very quiet. Timothy was the elder. He was sent there. So 1st and 2nd Timothy was actually written to Timothy while he was the pastor of the Ephesian church. In the book of Revelation, in Revelation 2, Revelation is specifically addressed to different churches. And one of these churches, in fact, the first church that was mentioned, which in Bible language is many times of first importance, is the, is the Ephesian church. So Jesus had a message for the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation. And after Timothy... A guy called John, John the Beloved, he was one of the apostles. He's the guy that rested his, his head on Jesus' chest. John was the lead elder of the church in Ephesus. And he wrote 1, 2, and 3 John that we have in our Bibles. He wrote it from Ephesus while being the, the elder at Ephesus. So there's a lot of history. This is a rich church with history. A lot of Christian leaders that came in here, most notably a guy called Paul, who wrote this letter to them from prison to encourage them. And Ephesians is actually the, the, the closest that we have to Paul's theology about Jesus and the church. It's the closest book we have to a systematic unpacking of the Christian faith and the Christian belief for us as, as, as Christians today. 
You would think maybe the book of Romans is, but actually Ephesians is that. Um, because there was no specific reason. Mostly he wanted to unpack what he believes us as Christians should believe. And so it should actually be an incredible book for us. Okay, so are you in this journey with me? Yes, yes amen. Are you going to bring your Bible next week? Yes. yes. Are you sure? Okay, I think I better pray for us and pray for a bit of energy in here as well. Maybe stand quickly while I pray, just to stretch your legs. Yeah. God, uh, Lord, I, I come before you and we come before you, Lord, and we pray that as we read out of your word tonight, Lord, as I try and teach and try and open up the word of God tonight, Lord, I, I thank you firstly that it's the word of God, it's not the word of Leonard. And Lord, thank you that as we, as we look at it together, as we look at the book of Ephesians together, I, I do pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes, that you would show us the riches that is in Christ, Lord, that you would show us the beauties and the pearls that you've hidden in this book for us as Christians so that we would grow together in your precious name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Okay, take a seat, take a seat. All right. I know it's, uh, it's quarter past. Uh, five, but the other guys can wait a bit. All right, they can wait a bit. We, I, I, I really want to actually been feeling for us to do this. I think it's something important for us to lift up the Bible a bit in church and to get in the Bible and, and actually, I want to say, eat of the Bible, take it in, take it for ourselves. So I want to ask you a question before we get into the book of Ephesians because it's it's really interesting how that book starts. But what does the Bible actually say? How does God see human beings today? And I'm going to read a few scriptures that might shock you, it might be horrifying for you, it might be scriptures that you've never heard read in a church, but actually that's a problem because it's scriptures in the Bible, and if it's in the Bible, we want to read it. So don't be scared, just listen. Genesis 6, verse 5 to 6. Trusting you'll, I think you have it in the NIV there, let me just make sure. You've got it in the ESV, I'm going to read it here then, there on the board. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Leviticus 26, verse 27 to 28. When I break your supply of bread, then that's not the right one. I'm going to read. No. If in spite of this, I've... I'm sure. If in spite of this, you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile towards me, this is God speaking, then in my anger, I will be hostile towards you. And I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Speaking about our hearts. Who can understand it? Psalms 11, verse 5 to 6. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Romans 2, verse 5. Let him... No, sorry. Romans 2, verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Colossians 3 verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Revelation 14 verse 10 to 11. This is the last one. 
He also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and you will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshippers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Who of you say, I've never heard those scriptures being read in church before? Some of you. All right. 300 times in the Bible, more than 300 times, the Bible speaks of human beings as sinners. More than 300 times. More than 600 times, the Bible speaks of the wrath of God that will come against sinners. Now, one thing that before we look at the book of Ephesians, one thing that you have to know is that without God, we are by nature evil. You are not a good person. It doesn't matter what Dr. Phil or Oprah tells you. You are not a good person. Inherently, in yourself, you are not a good person. Left to your own devices, you will do things that are not good. And even if you look like a good person, by God's standard, you are evil according to the Bible. And I am evil according to the Bible. When we are measured by God's standards, that is perfect. See, in the world we get taught to love ourselves, but the Bible says, firstly... Hear this bad news. Without God, you are a sinner. Without God, the wrath of God comes upon sinners like us. But then Paul starts the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 1 to 2. And listen to this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It wasn't his choice. It was God's choice. To the saints. Say that with me. To the Saints. saints. What is a saint? A saint is a holy person, right? doesn't sound like the scriptures that we just read. When Paul refers to this church, and I, when I read this, I, I firstly think, Paul, what are you smoking? Because I'm telling you, the church in Ephesus was probably very similar to this church sitting here today. There were good Christians and there were some bad Christians, right? There were some who really tried and there were some who sort of tried to be Christians. But Paul looks at an entire church and he says to the... He doesn't say sinners. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Are you faithful? So what is Paul doing here? He doesn't start speaking to this church and saying to them they are sinners. No, no, no. He says, because you are faithful to Jesus, you are saints. All right. I need to get you up and active. All right. You are saints. So the question is, what is Paul on? How does he come to such a statement? Why does he say this? And when we start reading the book of Ephesians, it should actually be a bit of a question mark. How can Paul, when we know that we are sinners, when we know that we deserve the anger and the wrath of God, how can he look at a church and not call them sinners, but actually be so encouraging to say to them, you are saints? I don't know if you have verse 3 there with you. It's fine, it's fine. We'll just, start, we'll, we'll just um, stay at verse 2. Um, because he goes on. Just go verse 2 again. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is very gracious when he starts speaking to them. So the question is, how is that possible? How is it possible that as Christians we go from sinners to saints? Now, Paul, as he starts this book, 
1 verse 3 to 14. We're reading a lot, but you're going to read with me. And every time it says in him, then I want you to say it with me, okay? Amen. But loud. Amen. Loud. Come on. All right. I don't want you guys to, to whimper away. We need to, we need to do it with me. Are you, are you with me? Amen. Okay, how about we all read it together? That's going to be encouraging for me. And that's good as the preacher. But when it says in him, then I want you to, to say it out loud. Just to to see how much Paul tries to emphasize this thing that the reason we are saints is because we are as Christians in him so one two three blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him. Whoa, it goes on. Okay, well, I just need to breathe quickly. <laughs> All right. You're getting the point here? Is it sinking in? All right. Let's go on. One, two, three. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believe in Him was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Amen? I think that's verse 14. Everyone said Amen. Okay. So you get the point. Paul is trying to teach us that if you want to be a saint and not a sinner, right? If you are a sinner, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you are not in Him, then all of those scriptures that I read in the beginning, they are for you, unfortunately. And they were for us. Unless you come to the point of understanding what Paul is teaching here, that we need to be in Christ. And so when we pick this up, Paul really wants to emphasize it. And he wants to be in your face. He wants you to know that he's speaking about those who are in Him. And the interesting thing is, in the Greek, they are actually twice two other times that it says in him but the translators take it out just for ease of reading just to make it easier for us to read 
So Paul is actually adding two more times to this list, which is just crazy. So I quickly want to do a small illustration for you to explain what I believe it means to be in God. I think all of you can hear me, eh? Can you hear me? There at the back. Can you hear a word? Okay. So I've got these two things here, and I, I just want to explain it to you because... Sometimes I think we, we, just, we don't understand what the Bible says with many things. So I want to be very simple uh, and, and explain it to us with two props, right? When the Bible says in Him, I want you to imagine for a moment that this is Jesus Christ, this water. He said that He is of the living water, so it, it makes sense to an extent. And that this is you. You're a lemon. Okay. And me, I'm a lemon too. Right. So when we are in Christ... I want you to imagine that this is you in Christ and God is looking at you. Now, I want to ask you, what does God see when he sees you? A wet lemon. A wet lemon. <laughs> he sees a wet lemon, no. See, I think sometimes we think that this concept means that God is blind to our mistakes. No. God still sees all of our mistakes when He looks at us, but He always looks at us through Jesus when we are in Him. For the rest of our lives, if we are found in Christ, God will never look at you without looking at you as in Jesus. So He first looks at Jesus and then He sees you every single time He sees you. And I want to remind you that Jesus Christ actually died on a cross for your sins. He died on a cross for my sins. He died on a cross for our sins. God the Father sent Him to die on our behalf. And so every time, if we are in Jesus, what God sees is He sees Jesus on the cross. Amen. He sees the work of Jesus on the cross. And Paul wants to make it clear to the Ephesians. He's saying, I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care whether you're struggling to be a Christian or not. I want you to realize that the moment you became a Christian, you don't have to get in Him. The moment you became a Christian, you were in Him. It's a supernatural work that gets done. God puts you in Jesus Christ. You are found in Him. And before we can do many things for God, we first need to be in God. Before we can do things through the power of God, we first need to rest in the power of God. And the book of Ephesians is so interesting because the first half speaks a lot about the work of God in us. And then it goes over to how we work it out from there. But it starts, Paul's foundation is before you can do anything for God, you need to realize your identity. Your identity is someone who is in Christ. You are in Christ. And he mentions a couple of ways that we are in Christ and I'm just going to go through three of them tonight. And I want you to, in your own time with God, to go through these things and actually look at them. But um, Ephesians 1 verse 4. <clears throat> just verse 4 you can put up for me, please. It says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be homely and blameless before Him. So the first thing that I want to look at that it means to be in God is that in Him... You are holy and blameless. Out of Him, you are a sinner. In Him, you are holy and blameless. 
we spoke the other evening, we had a time with the leaders, and I said to them, imagine that God opened up your eyes to your sin, all of your sin. Imagine what a scary moment that would be. Because we think that sin is only the bad things that I do. But actually, according to the Bible, sin is also the good things that I do not do. When I do not pray like I should, that's sin. When I do not love like I should, that's sin. When I, when I do not serve like I should, that's sin. When I do not preach Jesus like I should, that's sin. And we like to think of sin only as sleeping around and cheating on your tests. That's not the only thing that's sin. Sin is everything that we actually don't do where we are not fully in alignment with God. So for a moment, imagine that God would open our eyes up to all of our sin because I think He is so gracious to us. I think slowly but surely He opens our eyes and we see little by little. I remember as a young Christian, I immediately knew that I had to stop smoking and stop uh, like doing stupid things. There were a few things that immediately my eyes were opened up. And I thought that those were the big things. And I realized, no, 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 those are the small things, the things of the heart. Those are the big things. And as you walk with God, isn't it interesting how He reveals slowly but surely, out of His grace, He reveals more and more of the things in your heart. Anyone realize that? Yeah, He does that for us. But the thing is that even with all of that sin, if we can realize and teach ourselves and remind ourselves that we are firstly and primarily in Christ, then we would know that it's not by our merit, but it's by the blood of Jesus. And so I remember when the first time I was involved with deliverance, it was, it was quite a funny scene. We didn't know what to do. This guy started shouting and screaming and we knew there was a demon here. It actually exists today still. And one of my friends literally took the Bible and he put it on his chest and he said, Come out, it's in Jesus' name. He tried to drive out the demon and we shouted and we screamed and we did all of these things. And I remember one of the big fears for me was, this demon probably knows a lot about me. And what if this demon tells these people around me the bad things that I've done in my life? What then? You know what? The reason that was a fear in me, because I didn't know that my identity was primarily in Christ. Because now, if a demon tells you the bad things about me, then I would laugh and say, Yo, why don't you tell them about the rest? <laughs> Thankfully, you don't know the rest. Because there is so much bad in me. But the thing is, because my primary identity is in Christ, Amen. I can actually stand confidently in front of that demon and say, you know what, it's not by my merit that I'm chasing you That's out. It. It's That's by it. the blood of Jesus. I'm a son of God Amen. in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm found in Him. And I think that as Christians, we don't have this revelation. We think that we need to do a lot of good things. No, no, no. When you became a Christian, your life was hidden in Christ. In Christ. And so when you stand and you come before God, you do not come by your own merit, but you come by Christ. You say, thank you, God the Father, that I can come before you, and that although you know what my bad things are, you know my sin, Thank you that you firstly see Jesus. Amen. And I approach you by Jesus, not by me. Not by my merit. And someone say, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. It feels like the longer I go on, the more I sound like one of those old school preachers. <laughs> okay. Second one. I'm going to go for a few more minutes. 
So I think it'll be good. Ephesians 1 verse 5 to 6. Paul is teaching us what it means to be in Christ. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. If you can just go to the previous one. So you predestined us. So predestination is this big swear word in church that people fight about. But actually, we shouldn't fight about it. I think the simple meaning of this is not so much on whether God chose us or we chose God. That's not the thing here. What he's saying is we were predestined for adoption to himself as sons. And now the ladies find that difficult because how can you be a son of God? And then we say, but us men have to be the bride of Christ. So it's okay. In the end, all of us have to compromise. (laughs) All of us have to compromise a little bit. But... You know what the, the, the thing is that the Bible teaches us that in Jesus we were adopted and we became sons of God. All of us. And adoption for me is such an interesting thing. I don't know if we'll ever adopt. At one stage I thought that I'd love to adopt a child. Because the, re- the only reason that I would love to do it is because of this picture. Because I think when you walk around with an adopted child, what you are saying to the world is that this child was lost. They were doomed. They were destined for a life that probably would have gone in a bad direction. But we brought this child into our family by choice. It wasn't a clip scene. We paid money. We filled in forms. We waited months. We did everything to bring this child into our family. And the love of this family transformed this child into who this child is today. So when we think adoption, we think, no, but aren't we born as sons of God? And the Bible teaches us, Paul specifically says adoption. And I think actually the fact that he says that in Christ we are adopted as his sons is actually better. Because if you are a natural child, some of you, your parents, I mean God planned you, but your parents didn't plan you. Okay. okay. I mean, eclipsy doesn't exist in God's mind, but in your parents' mind you might have been eclipsy. And I don't know if they would tell you that. And, uh, and my, yeah, my mom is thankfully not here. She is actually visiting from Gauteng. So I can say this. But I know that I was a clipsy in her eyes, not in God's eyes. Yeah. When she had me, she was very glad she had me. But initially, I was a clipsy. But the thing is, if you adopt a child, it cannot be a clipsy. It can't yeah. be a oops. Yeah. It has to be a deliberate choice. And so what the Bible is teaching us here is that if you are in Christ, you can stand secure that God deliberately chose to lay his life down for you so that you can come into his family and become a son of God. Revel in that. Be happy about that. Come before God as a son and not as a slave primarily. When, When a son comes before his father, you can come with open arms if it's a good father, if it's a loving father. You can come with liberty. So if you struggle to come before God, if you struggle to to come into worship before God, then realize that you were adopted as His Son. Finally, Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14. Three minutes and I'll end. It says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We're just going to stop there. Third thing, if you are in Christ, whether you deserve it or not, the Holy Spirit is with you. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to doubt it. 
In fact, the, the Bible, we were singing this song that the Holy Spirit is like a seal upon us. Yeah. It's like the final stamp that God put on us. Amen. Say, this is my child. This is my son. This is my daughter. And so, if you are in Christ, the promise of God is that you have the Holy Spirit. And I think many of us, we feel confused about it. We feel like someone needs to pray for me all the time because I'm not sure whether I've received the Holy Spirit. The fact is, yes, there is baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the, the Holy Spirit comes and makes His residence in you. He lives in you if you are in Christ because He is one with Christ. So how incredible that we as Christians can actually be in Him. We can be in Him. It changes your thought patterns. It changes the way that you approach God. It changes the way that you approach people. It should change all of those things because your first and primary identity is not a student or a working person or a, a father or a mother. It's not that. It's primarily that you are found in Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. That is the truth. That's the truth. Let's stand and I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray, but I, I'm going to pray the actual prayer that Paul prayed just after he taught the Ephesians what it means to be in Christ. And I'm going to pray that same prayer for us. Okay. Praise it from verse 17. You can actually put it up for me, Delvin. Sorry. Verse 17 to 19. I'm going to maybe pray it in my own words, but I want to pray this for us. Okay, from the second part. So God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you, firstly, just as we start praying, Lord, I thank you that for everyone who's a Christian in here, for everyone who's given their lives to you, Lord, thank you that every one of them are found in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we don't come before the Father just on our own merit anymore. But thank you that we come in you. Thank you that we come in you. Thank you that we come in you, Lord. And God, I want to pray for all of us, Lord, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Lord, a spirit of wisdom so that when we hear these things, we would know how to apply it in our lives. That it wouldn't just be words, Lord. When we open up our Bibles at home, we go through the book of Ephesians. May it not just be words, but may it be life to us, Lord. Make it wisdom, things that we can apply. Lord, and not only that, Lord, but I pray that you would make it revelation, God. May it not only be information in our minds, but revelation in our hearts. Lord, I do pray that we would come boldly before you. That we would learn to come boldly before you because we are in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, as Paul prayed. Open the eyes of our heart that we might see these things, Lord. It's just words on paper. But if you open our eyes, Lord, we see it for what it is and it changes our lives. Lord, and that we may know the hope to which you have called us. The riches of your glorious inheritance and the saints, Lord, thank you for the beautiful things that you've called us to together as your saints. We are not just the saints alone, but we are saints together. Thank you that you've called us to that. And thank you for the immeasurable greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your great might. Thank you, God. Lord, open our eyes. Just this week, Lord, I pray that as we go and we open up our Bibles and we look at our Bibles, Lord, that we wouldn't just read it for information, but that we would ask you, Lord, what does it mean to be in Christ? 
What does it mean to be in you? Lord, I pray that you'd open up our eyes, that we would see you, that we would grow, that we would learn, that we would have revelation as we read your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. That's an amen. We went quite a bit over time now. But uh, we'll see you guys next Sunday. I know this group is on for Sundays. And uh, obviously there's a bit of a topsy-turvy thing going on with the, with the Wednesday meetings as well. But we'll see you next Sunday and we'll see you hopefully during the week. Amen. Amen. Hang around a bit with the people outside. The next service is coming in. This is a good opportunity to actually get to know the other people. Okay. Amen. See you next week.